Thank you for listening to a Vietnam podcast by 7 Million Bikes. We share the stories of people connected to and with a love for Vietnam. I'm your host, Neil Mackay, and I've lived here since 2016. When we started this show, it was a Saigon podcast. But as the show has grown, we now talk to people from all over the world who have a Vietnam story to share. At the end of every episode, we ask our guests the same set of questions for each season. This is a special bonus compilation episode while we're between season 7 and 8 where you can hear all of our guests answer the question, what shocks you the most about Vietnam? Share your answer with us. We love to hear from you. You can send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or join the 7 Million Army Facebook group and you can post your answer there. You can find all seven seasons of a Vietnam podcast from wherever you get podcasts And you can also watch newer episodes on YouTube as well. Look out for season eight coming soon. The links are in the show notes. And don't forget to follow or subscribe from wherever you're listening so you can always get notified about future episodes. What in Vietnam shocks you the most? Oh, man. Maybe the driving situation. Not, not like the busyness of like, oh, crossing the street. I mean, certainly that had its own. The first couple of weeks I was here, like, holy shit, like how do people die? Sure. <laughs> I think everybody goes through that. Uh, I yeah. think people coming f- from the Mekong Delta also feel that way. Maybe when they come to live Saigon for the first time. So I don't <laughs> yeah, think that's a, yeah. a Western thing necessarily. Probably kind of a lack of structure coming from America where everything is pretty, there's not a lot of opaque social stuff like everything is kind of set like you you walk on this part of the sidewalk and you drive this way down the street or you're allowed to do this or that or if you don't you get ticketed really quickly everything was just a bit more casual here and still is i i think overall things some things have been formalized more than others i remember the food thing that there was it was hard to get a hamburger or a burrito you know there's like very specific places to get these things parmesan cheese things like this now now, I, I don't think there's any product. Like, cause I, I, I measured baseball when I would bring home from the States. When I'd visit, mm-hmm. I'd go to the shopping and I'd bring cheese and canned artichokes, you know, arts or things like this. I took, now, I'm thinking, because we're thinking of going to the States for a few months in the, in the near future. And I'm thinking from a f- food perspective, what we would bring back, probably a few things that are still available here, but the prices triple or quadruple mm-hmm. than they are in the States. So it's yeah. more of a, mo- a monetary thing that happened all the time. Um, well, yeah, because we've got like a cheese puffs right now, which are just so delicious. It's like a lockdown treat. But like it was just yesterday, I think they're about 100,000, 110,000. And I was saying to Adrian, you know, we're not spending money on anything else. I'll buy as many bags of cheese puffs as I want because yeah. that's like the price yeah. of one beer. But she made the caveat. She's like, yeah, but you're still paying like two or three times as much as what you'd ever pay in the US for it. So if you do go, please bring back a box of cheese puffs. <laughs> cheese puffs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, unfortunately, like wine has been one of those, she's hip-hop equivalent. We have a friend <laughs> who runs a Spanish wine importation company. And because all of his customers used to be restaurants, now he's just doing, nobody's buying that anymore on wholesale. So he's been selling all his wine at like 50% off. at just like distributor prices, I guess. And yeah, I mean, we're still paying double or triple for the wine that you would get otherwise, but... You know, I, I, I hear the kind of like you just said, like, I'm not, we're not spending money on other stuff. What else do I kind of have to live for in this kind of 
like re- instant reward kind of way. Of course, my daughter, you know, objectively, my daughter at life is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, like at the end of the day, when you're like finished work and you're like, oh man, I just want something. And food and food is also that. Food is great, but not quite as much as something that's, you know, mind altering and a bit farther down in my life where I don't really partake in any of the other mind altering things. So <laughs> wine is my my current vice. And I've even tried, I was at like a bottle of wine a day with the beginning of lockdown. Cause I was like, fuck it. It's a party. Like, let's do this. And after like a month, it was like, that's getting really expensive. And I'm definitely an alcoholic now. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've gotten it down to two or three days a bottle, which I've, I find to be successful <laughs> intake. I've been thinking about this questions and I'd be like, Hey, I'm Vietnamese, right? <laughs> Things shouldn't shock me, but I think it's the ability to balance everything on the like <laughs> You know that, right? I've seen that, and it and it surprises every time. How can you got the whole fridge, or no, ten chicken and then a yeah. pig? I don't know. I don't get it. They can balance anything, anything on the motorbike, and they can ship to you within days. Oh, God, this is crazy. Yeah. The ability to balance things on a motorbike. My final answer. You just said, how could I handle this as a Vietnamese? I I knew, totally knew you could have an answer for that. Of course, things would shock you even as a Vietnamese. So again. Well, my first trip back to Vietnam was in 2000. And that like completely shocked me because I didn't remember the country. But since then, I've been several times. I think I mentioned to you, like at one point I had a business with my sister where we made shoes and accessories in Vietnam. And I, and, oh, did I not? Just, it's another okay, podcast. So I, <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So when I was in my early 20s, when trade relations had just opened with Vietnam, my sister's a fashion designer and I had marketing background. We went there, we started a business, we were inputting goods. We were selling them to Nordstrom, Mandela Bay and Vegas, like big retailers. And then I went back at one point with the U.S. State Department to do a woman in business tour. And then since then, I've done all sorts of things. I did like a, a volunteer tour there. And I would have to say what shocks me the most compared to other Asian countries I've been is the pace in which the country evolves. I mean, it is just unbelievable. And I, I use all those examples of my visit because... Every single time, I feel like the country has changed so much. And so the last time I was there was eight years ago before my uh, first child was born. And we haven't been able to go back since. And with COVID, it just got tricky, obviously. Um, But I remember I went with my husband and it was his first time there. And I was taking him to places that I went in 2005. But when we went back in, I think it was 2008. 10 or 11, I can't remember now, but I was like, wow, it looks so different. And that for me is just very impressive. Like, and we were talking earlier just about the, the wealth that is there in Vietnam and people overseas has a misconception that it's like this third world country and it's not. And I think the younger generation, so I, With the podcast, what I find really interesting is we have a lot of listeners that grew up in Vietnam, but they're now here in the U.S. And they came for college or as an adult. So, like, they find our stories fascinating because it's nothing like how they grew up in the Vietnam that they know, right? 
But what I find so impressive is just how educated they are, how it, how their Vietnamese, I'm sorry, their English is even better than mine. <laughs> like, and then when you go to these other Asian countries, like I've been to China maybe like 10 years ago, so I can't compare necessarily. But I remember when I went to China and I thought to myself, like, wow, I would have thought more people speak English in China than in Vietnam. But in Vietnam, almost everybody speaks English. The 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 sort of level of education and sophistication and westernization in Vietnam is actually quite impressive compared to its neighboring countries. I have to say the people, the general friendliness and hospitality of the people after going to like 11, I think 11 different countries, a lot of different Asian countries. For example, Tokyo, a lot of people would shy away from talking to me. They would just kind of like veer off. It's not that they were mean. It's just they didn't want to socialize with me, whether it's English or whatever. Southern Laos, people were a little standoffish. Thailand, they were always trying to sell me something. (laughs) Cambodia, they were always trying to sell me a bracelet or something. You know, I feel like Vietnam was the most genuine experience that I've had in in an Asian country. And I was shocked with how friendly the people were. And you'll see in my future videos, if you want to go back and watch the walking videos, I can go up to just about anybody on the street, start a conversation, doesn't have to be in Vietnamese, and they will genuinely want to talk to me, want to have a conversation, or at least try to do it. And I really, it really blew my mind compared to other Asian countries. How much paper do you use? It's mental, mental in it. It's yeah. just insane. Where does it all go? That's my question. Is it like a warehouse somewhere with just stacks of paper? Like, I don't uh, know. It's and, and, and how they have to like, you know, when you chop on, 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 on papers, it's like you've got to spread all of it out like a fan and then chop on all the pages. This is going to sound corny, but do you know the amount of bikes? <laughs> it still shocks me. It still shocks me. And, and you know, I was there in 2019 before the pandemic and sitting in the back of a grab or my cousin's motorbike. Every time I'm amazed at the amount of bikes of like next to me, like I, I still feel like I'm in a dream. It just feels so real to me. So that still shocks me for some reason. I mean, I've been here five years and it still shocks me as well. So, I mean, and it shocks me most because we were in lockdown for so long and now I've gotten back on the bike and we can travel. And I just, you forget how crazy it is when I see like a bike coming towards me, driving down the wrong side or the bike just takes a U-turn in the middle of the highway and decides that they want to go the other direction. It's like, oh my goodness. So I'm still shocked by that every day. I think it's start living without notice. That was a huge shock. And especially when they tell you, oh, my grandmother passed away or my grandmother is sick and you don't even know if it's true or, you know, and you never hear from them. They just block you on Facebook. They block you on Skype. Never hear them from them. So that was a big shock. Don't forget, send us a message or post on our Facebook group, The 7 Million Army. If you can, join the community. We're building up more and more members. You get special exclusive benefits. And we do community meetups if you're in Saigon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast from. Cheers.
Don't forget, send us a message or post on our Facebook group, The 7 Million Army. If you can, join the community. We're building up more and more members. You get special exclusive benefits and we do community meetups if you're in Saigon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast from. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.